it's still possible to to make videos and uh, a lot of my clients weren't aware of this and I was able to share some of these ideas with them and it was great for them because particularly for people working in marketing and internal comms they need to keep communicating there's no doubt about it in 2020 globally the video production industry has taken a hit restrictions to live filming lockdowns and travel bans businesses on hold and everything else that's been going on as the coronavirus hit pause on the world. But the good news is, for both businesses and for video producers, there are a number of simple and effective ways to still be producing effective video marketing right now. And in today's interview, I've invited video producer Ryan Spanger onto the show to share more. This is the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, helping you engage your ideal audience to action through online video. I'll be bringing you the absolute best in the world of video marketing, content creation, storytelling, and marketing strategy, as together we grow to dominate online video and build profitable businesses. I'm your host, Ben Amos. Now let's get on with the show. G'day and welcome back to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, where I help you engage your ideal audience to action through effective online video strategy. And no matter when you're listening to this episode, whether your business is still being affected by 2020's coronavirus crisis or not, I know you'll take away a few nuggets of wisdom and ideas that you can implement in your video marketing straight away. You see, as the owner of a video production and strategy agency here in Australia, as we've gone through the last few months here in 2020, we've had more than our fair share of projects put on hold or clients pulling back and and inquiries drying up. And the fact is that this has had an impact on our business and the bottom line. There's no denying that. However, despite this, there has also been a number of brand new opportunities that have come about over the last few months here, directly as a result of the lockdowns and restrictions that that we have in place. Opportunities which have really seen us working with clients in new ways or with new approaches that has allowed those businesses to continue to be visible through their video marketing and yeah, continue to grow their business despite everything else going on. So this is where I wanted to take the conversation today for you, the listener. So I've invited my guest on fellow Aussie-based video production company owner, Ryan Spanger from Dream Engine based out of Melbourne in Australia. Ryan and I have done some work together previously and he reached out and we decided to have a conversation for you guys today to really help you understand some ways that you can make effective videos in the age of social distancing. So a bit about Ryan. Ryan began working in video production in 1999. He started work as a documentary filmmaker and then he applied this form of filmmaking to producing videos for corporates, government departments and educational institutions. His writings about film and video have appeared in a number of publications and he's still just as passionate about making and talking about video production as ever. In today's episode, which was originally published last week as a LinkedIn live video, by the way, if we're not yet connected on LinkedIn, let's do it. Send me a request and let me know that you listen to the podcast and let's get connected on there. So yeah, this was a LinkedIn live episode last week and in this conversation Ryan will be breaking down six highly effective ways to consider making videos or working with a video company during lockdowns 
and particularly when the usual approach of face-to-face -face production just simply isn't possible as it's been recently. So whether you're currently facing some level of restrictions or not where you are, these creative ways that we're going to share in the episode today that you can approach production will get your brain ticking, I'm sure. All right, let's get into it. Here is my interview with Ryan Spanger from Dream Engine. Ryan Spanger, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, it's awesome to have you here. I'm looking forward to our conversation today because this will be a bit of a conversation from one video production company owner to another. But importantly, I want to recognize that many of the listeners of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast aren't video production companies. So I want to make sure that what we talk about in today's episode is also super relevant for this, the business owner out there, the small business owner, the entrepreneur, the people who are even thinking about doing video for themselves in this time. Because what we're going to talk about today is around how to make effective videos in the age of social distancing. And I know you've got some great insights to share on this, Ryan. But before we get into that, for the people that haven't heard about you before or come across your company, Dream Engine, based out of Melbourne, Australia, tell us your story. What got you into, into video in the first place and what do you do in the world of video today? Uh, well, I guess I'm one of those people that discovered, you know, my passion and interest quite early in life, uh, which was filmmaking. And it's something that I always sort of, you know, as a kid, as a teenager, dreamt of doing. And um, I didn't know exactly how or what form that would take, but it was, you know, something that I always aspired to do. And, um, you know, I, I even, you know, around the age of you know, 13, 14, I got an opportunity to um, film a wedding, which was pretty cool and had this plan of creating this wedding video business, which didn't quite happen at that age. But I just, I find it amazing when I think back now that it was actually something that I dreamt about and aspired to, you know, even back then. And uh, you know, studied filmmaking at university, and um, went on on a bit of a journey to get to that point of actually discovering um, where I fit into the industry. And I discovered that it was about making films for businesses. So sort of you know connecting my um, business and commercial interests with filmmaking, and um, started my business in 2001, and started making really a range of different videos, you know, from working with businesses to weddings, to filming events. I made some um, music videos and over the years just started to focus more and more on working directly with businesses and um, discovered that was a part of the, the work that I, you know, really just enjoyed the most. Awesome. And so what's the core of the type of work that you do at Dream Engine today? Over time, I found that we've started to work with a lot of medium and uh, large organizations, um, corporates, government departments, universities, that sort of thing. And then we'll make a range of videos from um, promotional videos, uh, sales videos, training, internal communication. So, um, you know, really just a range of videos to help businesses with their communication. And since this coronavirus and, and locking down business and communities has kind of kicked off, what impact has that had on, on your business as a video producer? It's definitely had an impact on the business because I think when it first happened, um, a lot of people, you know, including me, you know, were shocked. We've never gone through anything like this before. So we didn't really know what the impact was going to be. And I think, you know, initially um, a lot of businesses – 
decided to just freeze a lot of activities just to sort of get a sense of how things were going. And the first few weeks, their main focus was on setting people up working from home and settling in and, you know, getting used to all of that and getting used to, um, you know, working online. And um, of course, we had the, you know, physical restrictions as well, where some of my clients, um, their, their businesses um, had their own policies where that, you know, they couldn't have any contractors on site. They couldn't even come to your place of business. So a lot of them could no longer um, make videos basically. And the positive side of that is that, you know, when you are faced with these kind of challenges, then it forces you to innovate. And so we, we, we came up with a few approaches and, and it's, it's not like I invented this. I think us as, as a filmmaking community, um, you know, came up with a response. And, you know, I think those are some of the things that we're going to talk about today where it's still possible to, to make videos. And uh, a lot of my clients weren't aware of this and I was able to share some of these ideas with them. And it was great for them because particularly for people working in marketing and internal comms, they need to keep communicating you know, they don't really have an option of, of just shutting down and, and being quiet, particularly during this time. So, you know, that's some of the cool stuff we can talk about today. Absolutely. And so what would you say to that business owner or that, that marketing manager or someone that had earmarked a project, a video project that they're planning on doing um, and they maybe they, you know, pulled it or they paused it, should they still be just holding back and not doing any video right now? Well, my approach is to, to really leave that to them to decide what's best for them because everyone's in a different situation. And so for some companies, it may be right that they you know, pause video production. For other companies, it's more important than ever. So um, you know, my role is not to persuade anyone, um, to convince them that they need to make a video. Um, I'm really here to say, if you need to make a video, here's how we can help you. And, you know, here's some different methods of approaching it. If you have restrictions and you need to make video, here's some ways around it. So I think it's, you know, it's really personal for for everyone. I think, you know, in, in general terms, the sort of popular logic is that it doesn't make sense to go silent, uh, yeah. that it makes sense to keep on communicating with your clients and to keep on communicating internally. And then it's, it's really up to each business owner or marketing department or internal comms department to work out what the best way to do that is. Uh, but I'm here to say from a, a video perspective, you do have the opportunities and um, I can show you how to do that. Awesome. Well, let's get into it. I know you've got a, a few different ways that you've been successfully working with your clients with physical distancing in mind and even remotely. So let's talk about it. What are some ways that maybe people haven't thought about? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, um, I mean, the first thing is, and, and a lot of businesses didn't realize this at first, I think they're starting to realize now, is that filmmaking is still continuing. You know, every country has different restrictions, um, but at least in Australia, there are ways to keep on actually making films. And um, we've had to adapt the way that we work with smaller crews, choosing the right location, physical distancing, um, and a whole lot of, you know, uh, OH&S practices to make sure that we're kind of conforming to uh, government regulations. Um, but it is still possible to make videos and we've continued to do that. They've mainly been, you know, smaller sort of videos, announcement videos, just one camera operator working with a presenter, following physical distancing and that sort of thing. So for some clients, uh, you know, that's still an option and that's 
you know, we're continuing to do that. And then for clients who are in a situation where that's not really possible or they're looking for another way to communicate, there's things. Um, well, I think one of the most exciting things that's come out of this is when you watch TV news and current affairs and talk shows and that sort of thing, the amount of people that you see using webcams. Um, and, and this is like, it's revolutionary because you just wouldn't have seen this even last year. It would be, you, you would occasionally see an interview like that, but it's just become completely not only has it become accepted, but in some ways there's an authenticity and a roughness to it that people are quite enjoying. You know, like there's been something quite nice about people having to let down their guard a little bit, about people having Zoom meetings and seeing a little bit of an insight into people's personal life, you know, working from home. Um, I guess when everyone's working from an office, there is a bit of a facade that we put on. You know, we have this sort of business uh, personality that we're projecting. And uh, you know, while I would prefer not for this crisis to be happening, there's always positives. And one is that authenticity. And so things like using webcams and using Zoom to make videos uh, has become a lot more accepted. And it's something that my clients are doing now and, you know, getting quite good value from. So, you know, we're making quite a few of these videos now where um, as a video producer, I'm able to run the session and I'm able to conduct an interview with someone where I can set something up where they can do an interview together. And where I'm adding value is that I'm managing the session. I'm making sure that we're getting good quality sound and vision. I'm helping them with the framing, with making sure the background looks good. Um, and then I'm also directing and making sure that we're getting good content. So sure, they can record a video and send it to us to edit. But by having a professional video producer there, we're able to just get you know higher quality images and sound, and better quality content as well. Yeah, see, I love this, and we've been doing very similar as well. The benefit really can't be overemphasised for for a client, particularly someone that's not used to being on camera or even using equipment to allow them to be on camera. When you're doing that remotely, having that that third party looking in and, and making sure that you're you know, even looking at the webcam, not looking at your screen or that your your sound is okay or that there's not um, a weird thing behind you in the background that maybe you wouldn't otherwise consider, that having that professional eye to be able to come alongside you and record even remotely is really powerful. Yeah. Well, what sort of feedback have you been getting from your clients about those videos? So we've had clients, for example, um, start to consider the fact that this is something that they can do even outside of being restricted, particularly for internal comms or internal training content is where we've been using this, where we've actually remotely managed the recording session with the clients through, in this case, Skype. And uh, then we've been able to take that content and add some level of post-production to it um, to create engaging internal training content um, at a significantly lower cost implication than if we had to go out and, and film the trainer, for example. Um, so they've really enjoyed the playoff of saving money, but also being able to get content created quickly and professionally. So it's kind of a win-win in a way. And I don't think it does take away from professional content. There is a place for using higher-end equipment and, and proper filming approaches but there is a place for this kind of content i feel yeah definitely i think so as well um and it's probably worth mentioning you know because you mentioned skype which i really like um, because one of the features is that you can um, add a little bit of blur to the background and so um, 
that that can give quite a nice look and it can also like remove the um, emphasis on what's in the background um, and also for people who are doing it themselves using an app um, ecam live i think is is worth mentioning as well ben is that something that you use yeah absolutely so we're actually using ecam live here for our linkedin live video as a as a virtual camera which is a, a very powerful tool as well we don't need to get into the technical setup but ecam's awesome yeah, well, um, I think the cool thing with that is just that it records a number of streams. So it, it makes it easy for you to edit and kind of change the angle to sort of cut from one person speaking to the other person speaking to having two people in the frame. Uh, so it's it's quite a nice um, way of approaching it. And um, I, I found the biggest challenge with making these type of videos is particularly for larger businesses is the sort of IT restrictions because, you know, you'll have one company that, doesn't allow Zoom or another one that won't use Skype or um, sometimes, you know, their internet connection might be fast enough. So um, with each company, that's been a bit of a challenge just to work out the, you know, the technical way of doing it. Yeah. I mean, obviously we need to have a few tools in your toolkit. And I think, you know, we mentioned some of them there and obviously people are familiar with, with Zoom and possibly Ecamm and, and, and Skype, but um, having, uh, choosing the right tool, the right software, the right um, hardware as well, whether it be webcams or or managing people filming on DSLR cameras and that sort of thing. I think that's the critical role that working with a professional can can have in this situation for sure. Definitely. Well, I think another approach that's worth talking about is repurposing existing content uh, yeah. because um, a lot of people already have you know, really valuable video content. Maybe they've arranged to have an event filmed where there might be a presentation you know, from a conference or that runs for half an hour or an hour. They've had the whole thing filmed. They've shared it internally or they've put it on YouTube or something like that. But there's so much more value you can get from something like that, particularly for something like social media and thought leadership content where you can take something like that, you can take an extract of a minute or two um, about a particular subject that your audience is gonna find interesting, maybe add an engaging headline up the top, subtitles at the bottom, put your logo in, um, you know, put your name and title in, um, maybe an animated logo or something like that. And that's the sort of thing that you can put out on LinkedIn if you have an hour presentation, you might be able to mine that for, I don't know, five, 10, 15 short, interesting pieces of content. So a lot of people are already sitting on content already that can be repurposed and put out there. And it's um, not a huge cost to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's an awesome strategy just to start recognizing the value in the content that you've already got in a library somewhere. Um, and thinking about how you can use that content to be to be visible and present and continue to provide value through your marketing, even if you're not creating new content right now. So, you know, I think the the idea of getting out there and just auditing what you've already got and being creative about how you can repurpose that or or use a video production company to do some different edits to that, whether it be like you said, like um, adding in some burnt in captions or uh, transforming it into a vertical video for Instagram TV, for example, there's a whole range of different strategies that you can, you can apply there. So I love that. I think that's super powerful for people to think about. 
Yeah, and there's other forms of content that exist as well. For instance, if you've commissioned a corporate video, which you know might only run for a few minutes, the production company might have shot two hours worth of content. You know, yeah. which um, there's quite a high shooting ratio. So most of what we film often doesn't end up in the final video. So there's all this additional content that can be used. So for instance, if you've had the production company interview one of your clients, and let's say maybe 30 seconds of content ended up in the final video, there might be a 10 or 15 minute um, video of raw footage that's sitting there, which can be repurposed into a case study. You know, it could be used for a testimonial. Um, there's a lot of opportunities there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. So what about, you know, what we're doing right now for those people listening on the podcast, we're actually going live on LinkedIn Live and Facebook Live right now as well. So there's been a lot of interest in live video right now, which obviously doesn't require production and production companies as such. But, you know, how would you steer people towards making the decision to go live or or whether they should go pre-recorded or, or kind of that remote recording like we talked about before? Where's the decision line? Yeah. Well, I think there's, you know, there's two main camps. There's people who were delivering a service or a product. And then when these restrictions came in, they could no longer do it in, in a face-to-face sort of capacity, like, you know, particularly, say, people running events. And they were almost, you know, forced to adapt and say, well, if we don't bring this online, then um, we're not going to be able to deliver the service anymore. And you know, then there's other people who are able to capitalize on this trend. So I think there's uh, businesses who've been doing delivering a lot of um, content offline, but always had it at the back of their mind, this is something that we should be delivering online, or we could be, but where things are ticking along fine, we don't really need to at the moment. So I think there's, you know, for people involved in, in live events, what might be um, coaching or anything where you're physically bringing people together, uh, they were called on to have to adapt or, or really they, you know, weren't able to do their business anymore. So for people like that, I think it's it's really a no-brainer and um, it's not as complex or as intimidating as it might seem because I guess the technology has changed and evolved and, you know, as you've you know demonstrated today, it's, it's actually fairly straightforward, uh, you know, to do something like this. And then on the other hand, there's people who maybe, you know, have never considered doing, you know, going live, doing live streaming, but it's an opportunity to open up to a global audience. So, you know, previously they might've just been selling to a local market and as online is becoming the standard, you know, they could start to think, you know, wow, I've got this whole, you know, opportunity, you know, a much larger market there. And, um, how can I access them as well? And what would you say, if, you're probably noticing it as well, Ryan, that there seems to be even more conferences and events and summits and so on that are popping up because they're now able to do them virtually or they're kind of forced to do them virtually um, via live streaming and that sort of thing. Um, do you think that there's you know more opportunity now for for bringing people together virtually than there even was before this. Yeah, I mean that's that's a tough one because, like, on the one hand, there's nothing replaces the feeling of being in a room with people, yeah. you know, and the energy and the connection. Um, and I've noticed from you know when I've attended a live event and been there, 
um, you know, for myself to just attend and learn. There's, there's something almost magical that happens while you're there because you're part of the shared experience. And um, the sometimes the realizations and the learnings and the connections that you have, it's almost impossible to replicate that. So I reckon over the next couple of years, there's going to be some really exciting developments where uh, some smart people are going to take online experiences and make them a lot more interactive and make them, I, I don't know exactly how that's going to happen, but um, we need to try to replicate that offline experience online. So I think, you know, there's a, it's a good start. If you can get online and you can watch a speaker, uh, you, you can ask questions interactively and that sort of thing. But I think there's huge potential and, and I'm sure there's, you know, people working on this stuff right now to be able to make something that's more immersive and interactive, more opportunities to break out and have individual conversations. So like, I'm pretty excited to see what's going to happen there. Yeah, I think that there's potentially a a real problem with people who are moving too hastily into basically doing exactly what they would have done face to face or in a workshop or you know in a conference situation and just try to just stream it, you know, just try and virtually present it. Um I think that there it potentially you're failing to provide that sort of experience that that user experience that attendee experience which I think it, there is ways to curate that experience even through virtual events, but it needs to be thought through a different lens than through when it's face-to-face. And I've seen some examples of this done well, and I've also seen some examples in the last couple of months of this not done very well at all. I'm sure you have too. What have you seen where people have done it well? So um, basically I've seen examples where there's been a, a lot more, uh, community building around the event. So having pop-up Facebook groups at the same time as the event to allow com- conversation and connection and further, I guess, networking, like you would typically do, you know, over morning tea or lunch at a, at an event. Um, I've seen that, um, handled very well. I've also seen, um, the follow-up experience after the um, the actual live attendance at the virtual event um, handled very well as well with um, sequences of emails and with the ability for people to continue to ask questions of the presenters or the panelists and to have uh, you know that ongoing conversation even after the event um, has finished as well so there's some examples that pop to my mind where I've seen that done well I think yeah. where it's done not well is when uh, basically they just send, you know, you register for an event, you get the login to Zoom at this particular time, you watch passively sitting back, maybe you have the ability to to comment or ask a question in the Q&A section by typing um, and then it's over and it's done and then you're back to your life and that's it and, you know, that's the easy way obviously but it doesn't replicate what you would typically get in a live or face-to-face event, right? Yeah, I think we feel a similar way about that. Um, one thing that I've noticed from a few inquiries from clients is that you know they're saying they're seeing a lot of people who just you know going live on Zoom or um, something like that, which is fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. But what they're saying is, as part of their brand, they want to do something that looks really professional. You know, they want to use professional cameras. They want it to be well lit, to be directed, to have a, a, a good looking set behind them, and um, they, they want to make sure that they're not diminishing the offering because the risk is that if you normally, you know, deliver these online, these events face to face, and then 
you just let your clients say, well, we're switching it to online and they're spending the same amount of money, but they're receiving an inferior experience, then you could end up turning you know, them off and, and actually sabotaging what you do. Because I, um, I know uh, another client of mine who does sales training and I said to him, so are you, are you just going to switch to doing this online? And, and he said, he's not, he's going to wait because for him, it's not the right medium. So like you say, it's not just a matter of switching on the camera and streaming. It's making sure that you're giving, you know, your audience at least a good, as good experience as what they got before. Yeah, that's such a good point. I, I think you know, I'm really glad you, you brought that up because considering the professionalism of your virtual event or your or your stream is is critical because of that perceived value, um, like you mentioned, but also because of the experience that someone someone gets. If if it's just another feels like just another Zoom webinar or Zoom call, uh, then and you're asking someone to pay for that, even if the information is fantastic their ability to engage, to switch it on, to consume the information without getting distracted and, you know, scrolling their Facebook feed instead of watching the content is is increased. So I think you really need to curate that experience for someone. So I think that's yeah. super valuable. Yeah. Any other, yeah. Any other tips, any other um, ways that you think people can really consider continuing to create video now in this time of physical distancing? Animation and motion graphics is quite a popular approach at the moment, you know, for obvious reasons. So as a client, you don't need to physically meet face to face. There's no filming that needs to happen. Um, it's production that can happen completely remotely. So you, you can still be really involved in the process in terms of, you know, meeting on Zoom or over the phone to do the pre-production and the planning and, you know, you can view storyboards that the production company produces, but there's no need to physically be together. And there's so many different styles of animation that can really, you know, vary in terms of budget that you can create something that's quite cost effective. You know, it might be something really simple like the you know, whiteboard style videos or um, 2D animation that's based on templates, or you know, on the other hand, you can create something if you need it to really have that wow factor to be something you know quite slick, you know, quite you know, fancy 3D sort of stuff. So there's there's a solution to every budget, and um, I'm definitely noticing more queries about animation at the moment. Yeah, well, it makes sense, doesn't it? Just um, it, it it fits when you don't have to actually do any physical production or filming. I think, you know, my, my caution there for, for people who are considering animation is ensuring that animation is used when it's the right form of production for the communication of an idea. So simply not going, well, you know, this would probably be better if it was done, you know, live action interviews or something like that, and then go, well, we can't do that. So let's just make it animated. That's typically not the right way to think about it. You really need to, I think, make sure that both the message you're trying to communicate and the way that you want that message to be communicated fits the idea of using animation before you launch into it. But yeah, I think that that's a, a valuable form of, of production right now for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with what you're saying. Um, it's got to be the right, the right medium and, and the right approach for sure. Um, and I think, you know, another solution for businesses who are selling products is that 
they can actually just send their product to a production company. You know, if, if it's a physical product that can then be filmed in a studio, you can get a voiceover recorded, you can use some motion graphics to showcase features of, of the product, and um, that can all be taken care of for you. You can even be um, there you know, for the filming um, you know, remotely through something like Zoom or Skype, so you can have that involvement as well. So for businesses who sell products, that's another solution. Cool, love it. And I think particularly the role there of having of using video on product sales pages. So on the checkout, it's something that is really underutilized in a video strategy for most e-commerce or, or product retail businesses is the idea that by having a video that um, specifically walks through the, the features, the benefits, the uh, the approach or, you know, how the product works, for example, um, on the sales page right next to the add to cart button or the, you know, buy now button, I think it can be so powerful in increasing conversions. Um, and so many people haven't considered using video. They just have product images. So I think now's the time to really think about that and think about how you can improve or increase the conversion rate on your e-commerce site just by adding in some product video. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, and it's not um, complicated or, or expensive to do something like that as well. Cool. Awesome. Fantastic. We've run through some pretty useful and valuable ideas that people, I think, can start to think a bit more creatively or a bit more, um, you know, out-of-the-box thinking, I guess, in ways to continue to use video to grow your business right now, even though we can't physically in many cases get there to, to help you film. Um, but like you said, with certain in certain circumstances, it is still possible for production companies to get out there and be filming with you. So contact your production company, the, the person that you've been working with, or contact Ryan at Dream Engine, and I'm sure he'll help you out as well. So Ryan, is there any final thoughts that you wanted to leave us with today? Well, you know, just to business owners in general, we all know it's a challenging, uncertain time, as people keep on saying. Um, something that I've actually had three different clients over the last few weeks who, when the crisis initially happened, we had projects with them at various stages of production. And they said, we're going to need to pause things for now. And each of them over you know recent times have come back and said, we know that if we are going to be around when this is finished, we realize that we need to keep on working and keep on marketing and keep on getting our message out there and be ready for things to, you know, when they start again. So one is a company that works in the, the events industry, which has been you know, completely switched off. And, and But they've said, we need to be here and ready for when things take off again, because actually we feel like the solution that we have is going to really help people in these times. And so I guess my main message to business owners is um, to think about that and whether it's video or whatever form of communication you know, you're doing, um, to think for what's coming up next and what do you need to work on now so that you're going to be ready for the future. Yeah, I think that's very good advice. You know, now is not the time to be not talking to people, not communicating with your with your target audience not being present um, and visible in your marketing. Uh, and I think that that's a really important message to leave us with today. So thanks for joining me on this episode, Ryan. This has been a, this has been a good chat. I've enjoyed this. And uh, I'm sure our listeners have as well got a few nuggets of information out of this. 
Yeah, great. Thanks, Ben. That was really cool. And before we let you go, actually, where's the best place for people to find out more about you or, or follow what you've got going on? I think uh, really just check out uh, my website, which is dreamengine.com.au. Um, you can find out about what we do. And there's also a lot of resources there in the um, blog section. So if you want to get you know, more educated on filmmaking, if it's something that you want to actually do yourself or you want to work with a production company, there's some good resources there. Awesome. Dreamengine.com.au. Check it out. We'll have the link there in the episode show notes at engagevideomarketing.com slash episode 146, 146. Ryan Spanger, thanks for joining me on the show. Thanks, Ben. Thanks again to Ryan for joining me on the show today. And like I said, that show was first published over on LinkedIn. So if we're not connected, let's connect on LinkedIn so that you can be the first to watch the replay or join us live for one of these LinkedIn live videos. And if you've enjoyed today's show, as always, I implore you to just take a moment or two and leave a rating and a review for this podcast on your podcast player. An easy way to do that and what I would love if you can do this on the Apple Podcast Store, you can go to engagevideomarketing.com slash iTunes and follow the links there. Thank you for taking some time just to share your insights into what you enjoy about the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. It really means a lot to me. And let me tell you, we have some interesting and exciting guests coming up. This week, as of the time of recording, I've lined up, I think there's about four new interviews that I'm doing this week alone just to bring some of the best in the world of video marketing and video strategy to you over the coming week. So if you haven't yet subscribed, hit that subscribe button so you can get each new episode as it drops. Look, thanks again for listening all the way to the end of this episode. You are awesome. I appreciate you. My name is Ben Amos from Engage Video Marketing, and I'm here to help you engage your ideal audience to action through effective online video strategy. And I will see you in the next episode. Bye for now.